7 o'clock. Good morning, pile. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. So we're going to get Kansas City, San Francisco. Where have I seen this before? Super Bowl 54? Oh, okay. That would be it. 31-20 was your final on that one? Yeah. Sorry to rain on the parade of all the, well, look at the colors of the logo for the Super Bowl. It's going to be Ravens. Nine. <laughs> no. Well, okay. that was the, okay. You know, our buddy Cake, his little tinfoil yeah. hat conspiracy thing. Could have been Baltimore. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. I Say Flowers, who he was, he was fireman arsonist because he had a huge game. But then what are you doing with the taunt? And then he gets stripped at the one yard line. And then he goes and chucks his helmet and cuts his hand and give Kansas City credit. Man, their defense played really well against Lamar. They didn't really have an answer for the Chiefs' defense, particularly when they played up front. And they didn't have an answer for Travis Kelsey. 11 catches surpasses Jerry Rice, the most postseason receptions. They didn't have an answer for Kelsey. And Mahomes was not brilliant. It's 241 and a touchdown. But he's pretty darn good early on, 11 for 11. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Turns out he's all right. You he's know. not bad. He's a pretty good old yeah. quarterback. He might have a future in this biz. I love because how more mind-boggling it gets for people, the more insane they become. Like, and bitter. And I know bitter. You know me. I know bitter. Like, the NFL, I don't think, really cares who wins. You're, the bump for the Super Bowl is not going to be that much greater because Taylor Swift's boyfriend's in it. <laughs> so no, Baltimore no. fans kind of chill that, well, you know, the NFL. It's the script. They want... Travis Kelsey to do the whole Boise State running back thing. Propose after winning the Lombardi in Vegas, and then they go down to the Elvis Chapel and oh, you may pronounce you man and wife. You know, you can was much better than mine. So, like, and I love the bitterness of well, see, this is the script. No, your defense can't cover the one guy they need to cover. Yeah. No one else on that offense can catch the ball. Yes, stop it, Ravens fans. Hey, maybe not try to uh, Richard Kyle or Keel, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. longest yard, Travis Kelsey, or excuse me, uh, Patrick him Mahomes. And popped yeah. him in the face. It was a nice little quick uh, longest yard reference, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it was. That was solid. That was pretty good. But, like, how do you – why is that guy single covered still at this I, point in his career? I, this – Make somebody else beat you. Make Rice beat you. Let him, let him single Make cover Scantling him in September. Make Scantling beat you. Like, why are you just 
putting one guy on Travis Kelsey in January. And um, Lamar, you got to run, man. Times you got to just run. There were times I mean, he did he, throw it to himself for a first down, That's <laughs> which, which, which is pretty good. Very Marcus Mariota-ish yeah. on his part. But they need more weapons around him. Mark Andrews is just coming back, and mm-hmm. and Odell Beckham Jr. is not what he once was, but he's one of their better receivers that they have met him. He didn't which catch the, sad. which is not very good, and he didn't catch the ball to the fourth quarter till like yeah. mid fourth. They need more weapons around him. That that didn't help. And they did, they couldn't run the ball against the Chiefs. Didn't have a lot of success doing that. The problem with the Ravens is when it's... Well, who are we going to have Justin Reed cover? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> doesn't really matter. That's a problem. Like, look at what happened in the other game. Too many guys to cover for a defense that's not great at covering anybody. And you had a 17-point lead. Oh, I love and Dan Campbell. I do too, but Dan Campbell, I'm all. You got to kick the field goal at some point. You got to kick that field goal. At least goal. one of them. Yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. And then you get down there and you have you run the ball and you have to burn a timeout. We were sitting on the couch, or I was sitting on the couch, and my wife was walking in from the kitchen. Like, they line up in that jumbo, you know, yeah, they're wide receivers, but they're lined up as tight ends. Like, this is a bad idea. This is stupid. Don't do this. Do not run the ball. And they run the ball and they get stopped. Actually, they get pushed back. A yard. Yeah, they got knocked back a yard. Montgomery got knocked back a yard. And then they have to blow a timeout. So now the Niners don't even, they don't have to do anything when no. they get the ball back. Like, yikes. And you got to pray and hope that you come up with an onside kick, which is mm-hmm. now these days almost impossible. Pretty much impossible. But yeah, it's like, I, and I love Dan Campbell and I love the aggressive is my life type. You know, we're going to bite their kneecaps off with. Eventually, sometimes you have to just kick him in the gotta, shin, though. You know, got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when yeah. to walk away. I've been quoting that line from the gambler for a while now. You just got to know. But it, this it's is, true. This is what, kick the field goal. Kick the field goal, mm-hmm. and then you get down there, score the touchdown, and then we're talking about a different yeah. situation. But uh, it was just like, come on, what are you guys doing? And I don't know what changed at halftime. I don't know if he had... It didn't didn't eat a banana or whatever. Jared Goff was not the same quarterback. In no, the he was half. not. He was off target a lot. They wouldn't be in that fourth down situation if he was on target in the first place. Throwing behind guys, yeah. losing them in stride. Yeah, I, I totally spot on about that. And then the fourth down, he threw behind him anyway. You know, the guy was open. He had the he had a window. It's just he's not great off-platform. That's a huge phrase this weekend, too. I could not turn around without hearing off-platform. And Jared Goff's, of the four guys this weekend, is probably a distant fourth in making off-platform plays. He's the guy that's got to have a good foundation to throw Mm -hmm. from, to drive the ball down the field. Yeah. He doesn't have the arm talent to to do a a Mahomes like he's playing shortstop or second base and Mm-hmm. Sidearm flips down the field 20-some yards. And and while you look at Amon Rossi Brown's numbers, not terrible. Seven catches, 87 yards. Mm-hmm. Need him to be more dominant than what he was. Yeah. You need him to be regular season um, Amon Rossi Brown. Another thing that it just it frustrates me, and it's not a player coach anything. It's a fan, and 
it's it's a fantasy football fan, but not in the way you think. And I'll get to why. Greg Olson was talking glowing praise, which, by the way, speaking of glowing praise, he's fantastic. He was talking about, well, you know how on an eight-yard route, most coaches want their players to run nine yards and get past the six. Lions don't do that. They let their playmakers make plays. Well, sometimes you have to run to the first down marker and get beyond it to get first downs. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, great wide receiver, had a very good game. But not a, not but a great he game, though. 20 yards to that yeah. on the routes that they run and design for him, they may win that game. You need more out of him than 87 yards and no touchdowns. If he touchdowns. gets to 100, they probably win because that yeah. means instead of fourth and one, it's another first down, and they don't, you know, right. have to convert. Exactly. And I just I hope he keeps in the case of Dan Campbell, he he learns something from this. Yeah. And you hope he gets another shot at this. Because there's no guarantee you get back to the NFC championship game. Oh. They're a good team, a rising team, but nobody's sitting back and not getting trying to get better. Right. And so I just hope for him that they get another opportunity. They at need this. to get Aiden Hudgens some help. Yeah, they do. That guy's yeah, out there do. sometimes alone. Especially well, in the second half of that game last night. Yeah. Like, the defender got hit in the face with the ball, and Brandon Ayuk still caught it. Which is just insane. It's like, I love what he said, too. Well, I Ladybug landed on my foot in pregame warm-ups. I'm like, okay, boss. <laughs> I just love how he can't really explain it, so he just kind of throws whatever out there. Sure. Yeah, it's... That, that's what happened. Because nobody's going to buy. Well, you know, we practice that. You can't use that. Nobody, Nobody's going to be satisfied. Well, I'm just lucky, you know, so. The David Tyree-ish yeah. kind of thing. The where... pass literally hit the defender in the face. And the Lions couldn't do anything with it. Just how do you blow a 17-point lead? And we got the clip from Kyle Shanahan coming up where, you know, what what'd you do at halftime? It's like, well, we've. Felt like we should have probably been down a lot more. We realized that we are down by 17. That's not an insurmountable deficit. But no. we but we you know we got the ball in the third quarter. We had to make something happen in the first drive. That that they did not panic. They did not freak out. And the Niners are not known for being a particularly good come from behind football team. Mm-hmm. They play really well with the lead. Don't play particularly well coming from behind. So this was it was set up so good for Detroit. Oh, yeah. It was. Because they went out and just threw haymakers early on. Goff looked really good early on. And they just were pummeling them. But they never could quite totally put them away. They're, they're a young, young boxer who's yeah. really a fighter. But just a big swing and miss. Just a puncher. Yep. And they haven't quite learned how to box yet. And a lot of that's your head, their head coach. I, I'm sorry. I love Dan Campbell. I, my, my position on him has changed dramatically since he's been hired. Mm-hmm. But some of that some of that was on him last night. Right. No, absolutely. And this morning is going to taste different than it does in two weeks or a month. You're going to go back and watch months. that film and go, why didn't he kick the field goal? And he's going to be like, why, why should he kick the field goal? Why didn't I do that? But also, just take into account for a second. Like, they lost a trip to the Super Bowl by three points. The Lions. Yeah. So there's that, too. You know, they're a fantastic football team, but 
Is there a seven-point dog? Something like that. Going to that game? That's what I saw, yeah. Something like that. I mean, they gave the Niners all they wanted and more. If that yeah, game absolutely. was 45 minutes long, you're going to the Super Bowl. And the 27th ranked pass defense is the reason they're going home instead. Part of it. Big part, part of it. Big part of it. And then they Dan like Dan Campbell, though. But they also let Brock Purdy hurt them running the football. He's not Lamar. He rushed for 48 yards. He averaged 9.6 yards per carry, Buckeye. Yeah. That, that didn't help either. That you let a guy that's that's not what he's known for. That long one, that, that conversion in the that second hurt. half. Oh, that that was a killer. And I thought Kareem Jackson was out there for the Lions playing defense because nobody was closing on him. It's like how how are you letting him run for twenty yards? <sighs> I picked up a cold in Arizona, by the way. That's, that's why I'm up. squeaking, that, not because I was yelling at the TV. That's okay. How do you let him run for twenty one yards? Like Chris <sighs> McCaffrey, I understand getting twenty five. A guy's going to do that. It's Christian McCaffrey. But like, but but not Brock Purdy. This is not the, oh, he's the last pick. You don't respect Brock. But Brock Purdy. Like, not Lamar Jackson. Not Patrick Mahomes. No, Josh not Allen. Josh Brock Allen. <laughs> not, not, not even sl- Russ. Not the, yeah, not even Russ. Not the slowest guy in the world. But certainly not, not his forte. Not the thing that he was known for at Iowa State. And certainly not the thing that he's been yeah. known for in the NFL. Being a... A quarterback that makes plays with his legs. Like, he's and, not Joe Flacco, but, I mean, he's closer to Joe than anybody yeah. else is this weekend. I, I just, you know, and, and one comment on the broadcast side of it. Uh, I was reading something over the weekend. Don't be surprised to see Greg Olson stay with the number one team with Fox. Yeah. And a lot of talk that you could see a three-man booth with, with Brady... Olsen staying because of, of how well he's done along with Kevin Burkhardt that there's a lot of talk that he may not get demoted to the second team because they're they're uncertain how good Brady's going to be and it's going to be a bad look mm-hmm. all, all, the, all the glowing praise that, that Greg Olsen's received the chemistry's it's clearly they're better and I hate to say this better than Jim Nance and Tony Romo yeah, yeah, he didn't have a great Sunday. Yeah, I, I just think there, there's better chemistry there. And We're playing my new Ninja Turtles Monopoly game in the AFC Championship game, which is a fun fun little board game, by the way. A couple of times I heard Tony Romo talk, and it pulled me out of my love for Ninja Turtles. I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, The ball is the center point of the entire sport. How can it be more important now than it is at any other game? Again, if that's the case, isn't there at least one more game where it's more important? Like the next yeah, one? Exactly. Like what the hell are you talking about? What are you talking how about? How high are you? And that's one of the criticisms of Romo is that he went from boy genius predicting every play. Yeah. Now he's a little bit removed from the league. Maybe he doesn't do the film work that he needs to do. And he's gotten kind of wackier and crazier. So the keys to the game is to score more points and tackle. And the Jim Nance is kind of like the grumpy uncle. He just kind of, he doesn't get some of the stuff that yeah. the Romo says. They don't seem, I don't know if they, I don't think they hate each other. I just don't think they click. I don't think Nance gets I think Jim Romo. gets frustrated. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think there, there, are times, I, there are times I feel like, 
Romo wants to be Bill Walton <laughs> and go off on kind of these bizarre tangents yeah. on stuff, not to the point of Bill Walton, and then that Nance is Dave Pash, where he's just kind of like, but 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 Nance is Nance. He's not Dave Pash. He's not mm-hmm. willing to go, okay, this is this is why people are here. Nance is like, well, no, people are also here for me because I've been doing this forever. Right. But and Nance I'm one of the best voices. That people are here for the game. And yeah, and I just think that they're there's a disconnect that's not there with Burkhart and Olson. It's that they like they work very well together. Mm-hmm. And that's why don't don't be shocked to see it be a three man booth. Yeah. Because I don't think there's there's concern that that Brady's not gonna be that good. That they're gonna need I mean, look at a look at all the help that Nance and Romo get from Jay Feely's, your special yeah. teams expert. Sterator. Sterator. You know, everybody that's down to the sideline reporters. Mm-hmm. That there's a lot, there's a lot involved in their booth. Or that's not the case with Fox. Right. It's pretty much Burkhart and Olsen with... And Fox does have two yeah. sideline reporters for yeah. these games. But you don't feel like it's propping up Greg Olson. Yeah. You kind of feel like Tony Romo's propped up a little bit. Well, it's Rinaldi and... And Aaron Andrews. I mm-hmm. mean, you've got you've got two really good people yeah. to do that. You know, and but it, but it's not like they're, yeah, it's not like they have to carry. They they add, yeah, but it's not like they're asked to strap on the backpack and you got to carry this up the right. hill. And I think Tom is going to be like the pallbearer, one of six or seven carrying the whole thing, as opposed to like the fireman who just has to pick him up by himself and carry. It. And I think that will not open Tom up to have his whatever weakness he brings shown. It's going to be just like his first few years with the Patriots. Yeah. He's going to be covered. He's going to be the name because he's going to be the quarterback. But they're going to put some talent around him and cover him and, you know, help kind of pave over some of his deficiencies until he figures it out. Yeah, it's it just it feels like they, they lean on Tracy Wolfson too much. They, they lean on Feely a lot. Nobody else has a special teams guy. Yeah. Although they needed him yesterday, though, with Justin Tucker and That's, Mahomes and Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I. I just. Um, I'm hoping it's not the last broadcast of Burkhart and Olson. And things I read over the weekend are now starting to maybe lean toward maybe that's going to be a three man booth. Mm-hmm. Now, how will Tom Brady fit into that? Because they're paying him an awful lot of money. And can that work with three guys? I'm still interested. It's not so much I'm worried about the three guys. Just what is he going to say? He, I mean, he's still v- on his podcast and everywhere he goes is still very milk toast in his analysis. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, talking to Jim Grow, you know, Jim, you just got to want it more. Well, you try anybody, hard and practice. Anybody can say that crap. Well, it's like, whoop de do. We can't even get Tony Romo to say that. What do you think they're going to do here, Tony? I don't know, Jim. <laughs> I don't know, Jim. I mean, I'm just as interested as you. You're supposed to have the you're answer. You're supposed to know this stuff. You used to be the boy genius. Yeah. Uh, Third and long, Tony. What do they do here? Well, they can pass it or run it, Jim. Well, that's pretty much their only two options. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tone. Thanks, Tone. Where I always feel like Olsen gives me something. Where I go, okay. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. 
Because you know Greg Olson does his homework. You just get that feeling he does. And Tony, you feel like he just got off the golf course and said, all right, yeah, let's do some football today, guys. Right. Like his clubs are in the back corner of the booth. And then it's, and okay, we're done. We're between at, we're, commercials, he's there doing swings with his pitching wedge. We're good? We're yeah. good here? Okay, great. I'm off to the course. Got a 9.30 tee time. Yep. And the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Where's Tony? Where do you go? Like Jim Nance goes down to hand out the trophy and Tony Romo's gone. Yeah. All right, 7.20. So your thoughts about AFC-NFC championship game. Congratulations, because I... I could not, in good conscience, pick the, pick the Chiefs like you couldn't pick the Ravens. I, I went, I thought the Niners would win, but mm-hmm. I went big and I went Detroit. So, congratulations. I'm going to go big on this. Either I'm going to, I'm either going to yep. be a genius or I'm going to flame out horrifically. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lions. I am the smartest man alive. Thanks, Lions. Yep. You are one pathetic loser. Sorry, that's not very nice. Wait a minute, I didn't finish last. That's not fair. That's true. That's all right. That's yeah. I didn't finish last, so yeah. That's that's important. I didn't mean to click. That was an accident. That's okay. That's all right. Wow. Great to have you back. Cold medicine. That's what it is. Question mark. Yeah, it's all right. Totally, totally. (laughs) Seven twenty-one. It is good to have you back. Dope cake did a an outstanding job last week. After seven days of not having a plan or. Uh, really set schedule. It's kind of nice to be back on. Okay. Very good. Glad to see you. You're back into the routine, back into the grind. All right, 722, it's time for... What's happening? And it's brought to you by ComWest. They're your technology service partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions that support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. One call, one team, one goal, helping your business grow with cybersecurity network support, they can improve your surveillance or install a new business phone system. Call them today at ComWest, 970-242-8142, or go to comwestcorp.com. All right, in a rematch of Super Bowl 54, the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs will score off against the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. The Chiefs used a strong defense and a solid day from quarterback Patrick Mahomes and tied in Travis Kelsey to win a Baltimore 17-10 Sunday. Mahomes threw for 241 yards and a touchdown to Kelsey. Pat Mahomes did a great job again, uh, as he normally does, but starting the game off with 11 completions, three completions, uh, that's something, something special. That is the Kool-Aid man, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, and Kelsey had 11 catches to pass the great Jerry Rice for the most postseason reception. San Francisco had a rally from a 17-point halftime deficit to beat Detroit 34-31 to take the NFC title. It was nice that we were starting out with the ball in the third, so it gave us some hope in that way. And also, it being a 17-point game was encouraging because it looked like it should have been worse. Uh, that's definitely how it felt. That's how the numbers looked. We were only down 17, which uh, that's not too much, but you got to start playing a lot better in order for that not to be too much. And That's 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan. San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy threw for 267 yards of the touchdown interception. He also rushed for 48 yards. San Francisco running back Christian McCaffrey picked up 90 yards and two touchdowns on the ground of the win. Kansas City and San Francisco will meet in Las Vegas February 11th, and the team's coverage will start at noon on the 11th. Colorado Mesa men's wrestling came away empty to hand of this weekend. On Saturday, both Maverick, the Mavericks and Colorado School of Mines won five matches each, and the total team scores nodded up at 18 apiece. In the end, it came down to the third tiebreaker, which gave the Ordiggers the victory with neither team recording a pin. Sunday with Shadron State they earned the 25 to 15 win, earning wins in the first six matches. Colorado Mesa bounced back with wins in the last four weight classes, but ultimately uh, not enough. Next up is the Bank of Colorado battling Brownson this Friday. 
against CSU Pueblo. The Calvary Mesa women's wrestling team handily defeated Adams State in their duels on Saturday. On senior day, the Mavericks took the victory 44-4. Seemi received forfeits in the 101, 136, 170, 191-pound weight classes. The final two contested matches were won by CMU seniors, both with pins, with Holly Bedoin getting the victory at 143 pounds and Delea Garibay winning at 155 pounds. Former CMU wrestler Marissa Gallegos will be inducted into the Sportswoman of Colorado Hall of Fame. She was the program's first-ever national champion and undefeated in her 2023 season. This is Gallegos' the third consecutive honor from the organization. Its 50th anniversary award celebration will be March 17th. Gallegos is currently an assistant coach with the CMU women's wrestling team and hopes to qualify for the 2024 Olympic trials. A season-high 15 three-pointers helped the CMU women's basketball team defeat Fort Lewis 87-71 at the Blizzard and Brownson Arena. Mavs hit 11 threes in just the first half. Mason Rowland finished with 19 points to lead the Mavericks in scoring against her hometown team. Head coach Taylor Wagner liked the shooting of the first half and the defense of the second half. Don't know if I've seen a half like that in this building where both teams went off. I'm glad we were hitting threes because that kept us in the game. We put them in the free throw line way too many times. Second half, I was really pleased with our defense. I thought the threes had kind of slowed down a little bit. Everybody got tired. And, you know, when we had to make a play, we made a play. Kylie Craving recorded five assists, which puts her over the 300 career assist mark. CMU heads to Gunnison tomorrow to take on Western. Coverage starts for the women at 445 on the team. CMU Sports Network. The Maverick men's basketball team dropped their first home game and first RMAC game of the season in a hard-fought battle with four Lewis. Skyhawks pulled away to win 87-79, shooting 72% from beyond the arc. Mavs committed 22 turnovers in the game, and Coach Mike DeGeorge says that has to improve. Their length and athleticism really starts to pay dividends, and there are big portions of the second half where we did way better with our angles and spacing to avoid those situations. And, you know, we just got to figure that out. We're, we've been a high turnover team all year, and we want to play fast, and we got to figure out how to take better care of the ball. Matt Reniker finished the game high 28 points on 11 of 12 shooting. Mavericks like the women play at Western tomorrow night right here on the team CMU Sports Network. Cover Mace is looking for a new offensive coordinator. Tom Thanell has left after two seasons with the Mavericks to return to the front range to once again be the head coach at Bear Creek High School. He was the head coach at Smoky Hill before coming to Grand Junction. The Mavs finished sixth in total offenses past season after being one of the most explosive offenses in D2 in 2022. CMU was second by, behind Colorado School of Mines in total offense in 2022. Fruitland Monument boys basketball team has run their record to 18-0 after winning at Durango 63-23 on Saturday. The defending league champs also moved to 3-0 in the Southwestern League as Daniel Thomason led the way with 18 points as Jet Wells added 15. Central boys slipped to 9-8 after taking a 62-48 non-league loss at Eagle Valley. Montrose boys picked up their first Southwestern League win in going to Durango and getting a 56-48 victory of the Demons. The Red Hawks' Brecken Hutto scored 15 points with center Caleb Ferguson adding 12 points. Montrose moved to 12-3 overall. They're now 1-2 in league. The Delta Panthers boys basketball team, they lost to Basalt on Friday night, 62-57. And Tucker Johnson had 15 points and two steals and seven rebounds in that game. Panthers will bounce back to win at Summit on Saturday, 63 248. The Fruit of Monument girls basketball team is 3-0 in Southwestern League after going to Durango and getting a 47-16 win over the defending league champion Demons. The Wildcats McKenzie Mason scored 11 points and hit three three-pointers. Sophie Emerson and Liv Campbell each added 10 points for Fruit of Monument as they moved to 14-2 overall. Central's 9-8 after getting a 58-42 non-league win at Eagle Valley. The Warriors Christina Manzanera scored 18 points with Bryn Wagner adding 15. Central's on a seven-game winning streak. Tegan Rocco's 15 points led Montrose to a 
38-23 win at Durango. The Red Hawks Macy Oberg added 12 points as Montrose moves to 11-4 overall. They're now 1-2 in league. And the Delta girls basketball team, they've now won 11 games in a row. They won a basalt in a dominating fashion, 82-14 on Friday night. Uh, Paige uh, K. Meyer scored seven points, had two assists and five rebounds. Coming off the bench to lead the Panthers. They also won on Saturday at Summit, 62-24. And Palisade and Central H had a champion at Saturday's Mile High Classic Wrestling Tournament. The Bulldogs' Caden Mulford won the 120-pound title with the Warriors' Hassan Mains winning at 150 pounds. For Monument competed at the Davy Swenson Tournament in Utah with 106-pound Kel Unrine winning the title in his weight class. The D51 Phoenix Girls Wrestling Team had one champion at the Chatfield Warhorse Girls Invitational. 190-pound Adelaide McNeil took the title in her weight class. And that's a look at... What's happening? And it's brought to you by ComWest, your technology service partner. Call ComWest today, 970-242-8142, or go to comwestcorp.com. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, your thoughts about who you're going to be rooting for in the upcoming Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Get some thoughts on that today. Just a reaction from yesterday's action. And up next, the Nuggets host the Bucks tonight. We're assuming that Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to play because we didn't see Joel Embiid on Saturday. Well, we did. We didn't see him on the floor, though. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit as well. I want to get that suit all sweaty. Yeah, well, we'll get into that coming up next uh, as the Nuggets take on the Bucks tonight here on the team. Text or call us on the team line. The good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend, 970-242-1340. It's the Western Slope's home of Colorado sports. Come on! This is the Jim Davis Show. Welcome back. 733. Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Who are you rooting for in Super Bowl 58? Niners score off against the Chiefs. Rematch of Super Bowl 54. Let's see. Uh, so got one thrown in from the microwave. And um, I talked to uh, Buddy Merez, who's Fruita High School, I should say, uh-huh. first ever state wrestling champion. And we had him on the program Friday. And he's going to go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame coming up this Friday. Uh, we got one from Mountain Dave that I did not get to. Um, I got hooked on wrestling watching Buddy and Nicole's an old Fruita High School's gym. Uh, my Uncle Bill took me and my brother to a match, and wrestling was part of my life. So it's kind of cool that those guys, Nick Coles, who's in the Wildcat Hall of Fame, and now Buddy Merez will go in as well, uh, got Mountain Dave into wrestling back in the day. All right, so your predictions, your thoughts, who are you going to be rooting for? With, of course, Super Bowl 58 coming up at Legion Stadium in Las Vegas, San Francisco will score off against Kansas City. You can uh, text or call us, 970-242-1340. Uh, certainly some good, the bad, the ugly, the um, a good slash bad on the play by Sneed to force the fumble on Zay Flowers, the one mm-hmm. yard line. Yeah, yeah, it's one each, I think, because that's on the, your viewpoint. Yeah, that because right there, that that's a huge difference in that game. And then before that, he had the big catch. And then I forgot who he stood over and taunted. He shoved him. Was it Sneed? Remember who it was? He shoved him in the shoulders. He got up off the ground. And then he stood over him. And that's when he got the the taunting penalty, which moved him back 15 yards. Which, 
and ultimately that led to the fumble. Yeah. <laughs> For the one-yard line. Zay Flowers, like you said, went from fireman to arsonist. Just yeah, like much. that. Yeah, it Just was, like that. With a really bad real quick. With a really bad penalty on on the taunting, and then he, he coughs it up down the one yard line. All right, so text or call us on the uh, team line today, 970-242-1340, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Jim, along with Buckeye from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Let's trust the name in automobiles. All right, uh, Saturday, nationally televised game at Ball Arena on ABC. Nuggets with the rematch with the Philadelphia 76ers. Denver went to Philly, got smoked about a week or so ago. Denver gets them into Philly, into Ball Arena. Again, okay, Jokic, Joel Embiid, two leading contenders for the MVP. It's Rivals Week on ABC ESPN. Yep. Well, Jokic was there. He was dressed. He played. Joel Embiid was there. He was dressed in a sweet-looking pair of street clothes. Yeah. It was very nice. I mean, he looked great. Yeah, he looked great. So the Nuggets get the win against a lot of, a lot of backup guys for Philadelphia. And um, I know Michael Malone was was not thrilled because... No, there are only a couple different reasons. Number one, thought his team should have went out and buried the the Sixers without Joel Embiid, and they struggled. They give give Philadelphia credit. Paul Reed had a career high thirty points, played really well. Kelly Oubre had twenty five. Even old Marcus Morris Senior mm-hmm. played well above his normal minutes. Like he played sixteen, seventeen minutes a game. He played thirty three minutes in that game. He had 17. Philadelphia doesn't get the win, but, man, they fought hard. And um, then for the Nuggets, well, Nikola Jokic, as he normally does, 26 points, 16 boards to lead Denver. Jamal Murray had 23 points. And Jamal had it going early in that game, uh-huh. feeling it from three-point range. And uh, here's Michael Malone, who says, or it's a little post-Malone, saying that, the bench was the key to Denver getting that win against the Philadelphia backups. Started with the bench unit. Start the fourth, we're down two. Tomorrow, Reggie, CB, Peyton, DJ. Start off on a 10-4 run, take the lead back. Starters came in and did enough to get the win. But coming off of a really long road trip, the first game at home is usually the hardest game. Wasn't pretty, not satisfied with it, but sure beats a loss. All right, so that's Michael Malone. So I mentioned MB didn't play. It's fourth straight time that he's come to Denver not played. Yeah, he hasn't played since 2019, pre-pandemic. Feels like decades ago. And that Michael Malone was concerned before the game to tell his guys, after they got blown out by, what, 40 at, at New York the other night. Yeah, what happened there? I think just tiredness played like garbage. Very tired basketball team, it seemed like. But Michael Malone was concerned because he found out, like, right before the game that Embiid was not going to play. Uh-huh. He's going to be a healthy scratch. And what that would do to the Nuggets, how focused would they be? And apparently his concerns were valid because it seemed like Denver a little bit kind of overlooked the, the backups, a lot of the guys that played more minutes than normal yeah. for Philadelphia and Nick Nurse. 
And and so Malone does expect the NBA, though, to look into why Embiid's not didn't play. Because there was supposedly maybe something with his knee, but they never really said that it was his knee. Um, you know, there's a new policy on on player participation that puts certain restrictions on load management of star players. And players who've been an all-star and all-NBA selection the last three years are considered stars. Yeah. And so there are some restrictions on how often they can sit out. Embiid was not on the Philadelphia pregame injury report, even as a probable or questionable that uh, Woj from ESPN was saying was knee soreness. But if you're having knee soreness, why wouldn't you be on the injury report? It's a good question. So Mike Malone fully expects the NBA to take a look at this. And there could be something coming down from the league about some kind of fine penalty, something for Embiid not playing. Yeah, and... I get what Michael Malone's saying. As an analyst for Disney or TNT or Altitude, I would 100% agree with Michael Malone. But I don't want him to get into the habit of, hey, why why aren't other teams' best players playing when we play them? And the NBA should take a look into that. Because you might need a maintenance day or a rest day for one of your guys going forward and your hopes to repeat. Or one of those stars may play and you may get pushed to the five seed and have to play on the road throughout the rest of the playoffs unless an upset happens underneath you in the bracket. Like, there's a lot more to this than, well, hey, I think the NBA needs to investigate why the 76ers' best player didn't play here in a game we only won by six points. I get it. The four and years, the five years. The, 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 that's not a great look for Joel Embiid, but that's that's not Michael Malone's problem. Yeah, I I'm 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 somewhat with you on it. I I do I, I do tend to be more. I'm worried about what we do, not what they do. Yeah. And I don't care whoever's out there in Sixers jerseys. You know, you know, you know should be upset. ABC. Yeah. <laughs> the network should be upset. More than I am, Michael Malone should be upset or, or whatever that his guys they're not going to face Embiid and it's mm-hmm. they're going to play down to the level of the competition which they kind of did. No, you keep reinforcing that Joel Embiid doesn't want to play in Denver, so the four finals games that are in Denver, Joel Embiid sits. It's not going to happen. I just thought it was funny, but you know. They played in Philadelphia and pooped the bed in the fourth quarter and lost that game by five. Joel Embiid was in that game. They very well could have beat them Embiid there. Embiid played great in that game. He, Joel Embiid was fantastic in that game. The Nuggets pooped the bed in the fourth quarter, got outscored by 10, lost by five. I mean, the math is fairly simple there. Then they go in the game last uh, on Saturday. They outscored the Sixers by eight in the fourth quarter and went by six. But but no also but also I'm not going to go along with some of these like Keeler from the post that that you know he lost his case and B did to be the MVP because of this he lost it to Jokic because he didn't play one game in Denver come on man I well I think it's kind of Bush they just got to 
garbage that he didn't play. Yeah. If he was healthy, he should have played. You know what it is? Was he have, was he have a problem? Soft. It's pretty soft. It's pretty lame. And if I'm ABC, I'm, I'm, I'm very unhappy that I'm doing this whole Rivals Week thing. Yeah. Which Nicole Jokic says, we're not really that big of rivals. We don't we only play them a couple times a year. It's not like, you know, we're, we're, we play each other all the time. And we don't have a dislike of each other. But if anybody should be upset here, it should be it should be ABC, because that was the marquee matchup, one of them that they kept hyping up in this big rivals week. Two of the leading candidates, guys that have won the MVP the last couple of seasons, and Jokic and Embiid, they were going to score off in Denver. Denver lost by five the last time in Philadelphia. Embiid had a great game. Here we go. Now it's on the Joker's home floor and in beads and straight clothes. I said, if I'm the network, I'm unhappy about that. And I make a phone call to Adam Silver going, why, why was that guy playing? We pay good money to you guys, and we expect th- these guys to play. If he did not have a serious injury, if he, and he was not listed on the injury list, why didn't he play? Right. I'm Michael Malone. I'm like, huh, seems pretty soft to me. We should have responded better. I'm not, I'm not going to be personally worried that he didn't play or or didn't play it or didn't play. I don't know. I don't care. Well, and we have a, we had a caller who's going to be texting in about Joel Embiid and the sickle cell trait, as this caller says. That's a thing. Yeah. The, what is the, it? Ryan Clark didn't play. And that's in a fair, that's a fair that's thing. That's a fair thing, but that's not anything I've seen in then, relation then to this. Why, right? Then why didn't you publicly, like with Ryan Clark, reveal, hey, I have sickle cell trait. Playing at altitude could be horrific for me. Yeah. And am I going to play because of that? I've never heard that about Joel Embiid. And, you know, he's he's well within his rights to keep that private if he wants to. Sure. But, you know, he hasn't played since 2019 in Denver. It's not that he's never played in Denver. And don't put knee. Just put did not play. Scratched. Yeah. Fifth time, like in, fifth time in six years that he hasn't played. That's fine. And if that's the reason, then absolutely don't play. 100%. This is not that important. But at some point, that would have been floated as the, hey, by the way, this is something to look out for. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking through here on the internet. I don't see anything about this. The Sixers did make... A uh, $50,000 donation to sickle cell research back in 2021. I'm trying to see if that involves Embiid and, and having that condition. No reference to him in this. Having the condition. Once again, if he had it, and that's if he has it, I should say, and that's the reason why. Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. But Ryan Clark, who in football, how much do we in football like to hide stuff like that? We don't want to talk about injuries all the time. All the time. But Ryan Clark was pretty forthcoming about why he couldn't play in Denver. Nick Nurse said the medical team, or he wanted to play, medical team did not deem him fit to play. Because of the knee. That's, yeah. The knee soreness, not. That's what they're using. 
So so that's probably why I haven't mentioned it. One, I wasn't here last week. Two is the team and him and everybody saying it's a knee. Which, but nobody nobody knew Buckeye. He wasn't going to play. The expectation was, yeah. And the expectation was he was going to be in the lineup and play. And it Look, was, and if was I'm a, Joel Embiid. He's a, he was a last-minute scratch for Nick Nurse. If I'm Joel Embiid, I don't want anybody thinking I'm scared of Nikola Jokic in Denver. Right. Because who knows? Maybe down down the road? Mm-hmm. Maybe the NBA Finals, maybe... Joel Embiid has to play yeah. in Denver. And this is, he's entitled to his privacy about his medical condition, if that's the case, 100%. But also, like, he's now in a world in the NBA and with sports betting and how in bed all the leagues are with all of that, that it's, it's less of a right to privacy a little bit in this specific instance. Because there's all the money that's involved in it. You mentioned the advertising. It was rivalry week between two teams that see each other twice a year. And usually over the span of a week. Uh, Good text that that came in from Eric Horizon High School grad about how many games has he played in Salt Lake City, which is altitude. That's a hell of a question, actually, as it turns out. Ten games. Uh, averaging 26.6 points per game. Last game was January 14th, 2023. So he has played at altitude in Utah. Not that long ago. About 1,000 feet lower than Denver. Salt so, Lake, 4,200. But, 4, but, but it's, it's similar-ish. But, but it's, it's comparable. Yeah. If you're concerned about altitude and sickle cell, amenia, sickle cell trait, wouldn't you be concerned about playing in Salt Lake City as well? Yeah, maybe. So, once again... There's no one on the Jazz he's scared of, apparently. I'm not seeing that this is a problem for him any in, in anywhere online. Doesn't mean it's not out there. Just right. in my very quick little bit of research, I, I, I've i never seen this as an issue with him. And if, that, if it turns out to be that's what the case is, I'll the, gladly walk it back. I, absolutely. I'll be like, okay, that that's a reasonable explanation for him to not play. But well, we're not getting that, though. No. All it looks now is he's scared. And fans let him have it on Saturday, man. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they let him have it. That's my sound check. All right. Uh, so Nuggets in the Bucks, by the way, tonight with new coach Doc Rivers. Yeah. All right. ESPN thanking him for his weeks of service. How are we fired up about the Bucks now? All right. So that's on the team tonight. Time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Good thing it's not Sean Payton because no one would ask the tough questions. But the Ball Arena faithful asking the tough questions of the Sixers on Saturday. Yes, where's Embiid at indeed? Well, he was there. He didn't wave or acknowledge the chance, but he also did not play. At the at the end of the game, he kind of did a little. Did so I watched it a little. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. You all, you all paid your money. 
to come and see me and I'm not missing a game check, you suckers. <laughs> I'm here. You look got at, to see me. Look at you, 18,000 rubes. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything to get paid today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Pretty much. 7.51. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado sports leader, the team. Welcome back. 7.54. Jim along with the Buckeye boy today. It's the good, the bad, the ugly on this Monday. So uh, what makes your list? Yesterday, of course, we had the AFC-NFC championship games. Your prediction for Super Bowl 58. Who are you going to be rooting for? And uh, by the way, we're going to have a chance for you to win a table of Buffalo Wild Wings for the big game coming up this week. So uh, our giveaway for that will start uh, this week. Of course, the Super Bowl is February 11th. Our coverage starts at noon uh, right here on the Team Sports Network with Westwood One. All right, next hour... We'll go around the NFL, look back at yesterday's uh, two championship games. Uh, also next hour, uh, we will uh, have uh, Browns Cremation and Funeral Service. Good call, bad call. And we'll have our prep stars and Mighty Mavs as well. So it is Monday. We'd love to hear from you on the program. 970-242-1340, the team line. So uh, make sure to join us uh, for hour two coming up and also a uh, chance to win with the number game as well. Get a case of Coors the Banquet Beer from High Country Beverage. That's coming up here in just a few minutes. All right, so once again, uh, reach out to us on the team line today, text or call. Either way, we'd love to talk with you and send it to us at 970-242-1340.